So apologies for this slightly slower start uh, this lunchtime for this particular webinar. Uh, there's a couple of uh, little things I've needed to set up, which took a little bit of extra time, and I'll explain and demonstrate those uh, to you as we go through the, uh, the first part of this uh, particular session, which we're calling Customer Acquisition, Conversion and Retention. This is something that as marketers and uh, strategic planners, we're very, very mindful about actually choreographing a journey for our customers and wider stakeholders so that we are always in control of the experience that they have and that hopefully they're in a position to enjoy. So what I'm going to do as we go through this session is share with you some planning ideas and a structure and framework for choreographing what I'm going to be terming an immersive experience, because to me, that is more than just purely customer experience. You know, taking a, a customer through um, their initial acquisition or building awareness, converting that awareness into a commitment or sale, uh, and then retaining that kind of commitment uh, from them in the relationship that you've born, born with them um, is okay to do at a, a sort of surface level. But the best relationships, the best professional relationships come from what we would term immersive experiences. So I'm going to share with you some of the tips uh, and techniques that we can use to move in a direction that is a lot more meaningful and a lot more engaging for our customers. So this is very much the latest thinking, a lot of this backed up by research and evidence. So it's a really important element of the overall marketing communications mix. Um, and in, in many ways, driven by a lot of the thinking from marketing gurus, such as Philip Kotler, for example, who said marketing isn't the art of finding uh, clever ways to dispose of what you make. It's the art of creating genuine customer value. And that is really at the heart, that thinking, that mantra, that ethos, that it isn't just about pure sales. And a lot of the rest of um, our organization, particularly salespeople or those in management positions, often sort of think of, of marketing and its role as being um, the, the warming up of the environment for a salesperson to go in and close the deal, or somebody who can just create leads or create inquiries or can spread the reach of our communications into new markets or launch products and services or get people to attend open days and events. And of course, it is all of those things, but it is, as Philip Kotler says, the art of creating genuine customer value. So that's what we're going to explore as we go through this. And I'm going to share with you a number of different uh, digital techniques and tools that will enable each of the very specific um, stages, if you like, of this immersive customer experience. So we're going to look at customer acquisition? How do you actually get people interested? How do you build that kind of pot of evidence to make them think, oh, actually, this is worth getting into a conversation with you guys um, because you're kind of relevant to me? How do you then convert that awareness into a commitment? How do you convert to the sale? How do you support your sales process in terms of the marketing activities that you do? And then how do you then get the most value over a longer term? And we call this you know, customer lifetime value. The only way that you're going to see a value over the long term is if you start choreographing and creating this genuine customer value from their perspective. So we'll explore tools and techniques that you can use and a process, really, which is what this is all about. Uh, and this is why I'm going to do this particular um, session in a slightly different way to the normal way that I do things. So I'm going to actually be sharing with you and I'm going to kind of talk you through and do a deeper dive into this particular visual that I'm showing here, which is awareness, conversion, retention, a typical kind of customer journey that gives an immersive experience, not just a UX, a user experience, but an IX, as I would call it, an immersive experience. So I'm going to switch over to something a little bit different here, and I'm going to bring in the tool that I often use when I'm creating 
um, a um, an experience um, which is mural. So I use mural as a, a whiteboarding tool, and I find it's a really useful way of doing deeper dives into specific topics and areas. Because of course, I can zoom in and I can zoom out. I can add features and move things around as I go. So I thought rather than just stay within a linear PowerPoint format, what I do is actually come into Mural um, and show you and talk you through a version of a, an immersive experience that I've created for this particular session. So I'm going to talk you through and I'm going to zoom in on various points as we go through this, because I want you to um, really understand what we mean by immersive experience and all the various touch points that we're talking about, because that's really critical before we start to look at some of the tools that can support each of these points in this journey. So let's begin over here on the left with the three basic building blocks of the customer journey. So that is building awareness converting that awareness into a commitment and then retaining that awareness over the long term. So it's awareness, conversion, retention. And I'm guessing that many of you, if not all of you listening and watching this will understand that that's true. But actually, why do we do that? Why are these the three building blocks of a customer journey? Well, there's stuff going on psychologically behind the scenes that I want to draw your attention to. And let's begin with the awareness stage. Because what's happening from the customer's perspective, and this is really pertinent in terms of your choice of tools, platforms, and um, methods of actually getting the awareness in the customer's minds, okay? Because what a customer is doing, um, at this stage, actually, they're not really a customer, they're a prospect, is that they are arriving at your door the first time they see you or engage with your brand or your communication, your social media post, uh, your appearance on a stand at an event, is that they arrive at your door with what we might term hope. Okay, so that's hope that this is going to be time well spent. That's hope that they're going to get something from this interaction. Hope that if they're going to commit something to you, either dollars or pounds or time and attention or the starting point of a relationship, that they are going to get something back that's worthy of that commitment on their part. So they arrive at your door with hope. So that's their psychological framework at this first point in time. They don't just see you and think, oh, wow, great. Yeah, I'm going to buy. They have to go or be coaxed through or encouraged through or handheld through the journey. And that's why we have this arrow here, because from hope comes faith. OK, so what our task is as they go through this customer journey, and we'll kind of talk through some of these approaches in a minute and how we do this. But what they're doing is they're building faith. So from the very first point in time that they encounter you, and it could be any of these post-its up here. So they might see some direct marketing. They might find you at an event. They might be sold to through some kind of broker or reseller. So however they first hear from you, it's your task then as a marketer to plot a journey for them. Now, you'll know the phrase call to action. And what we need to see at every single point in this journey is a clear call to action that takes them to the next step in the journey. And as they go, your task is to build faith in their minds that, hmm, I'm on the right path. Yeah, I'm getting this. Yeah, I understand. Oh, I'm actually being informed and entertained and educated en route in this journey. So that's what your task is to do. So you cannot just jump straight from I'm aware as a customer into, yep, here's my dollars. It's not going to happen that way. So what you have to do is at every touch point, as they click through the website, as they read a blog and then see the click um, the link at the bottom to find out more as they get into conversations with you, as they go and check out your other socials or they watch the video on your YouTube channel, what is the next call to action? Well, the next call to action is to move them to the next step in this carefully plotted out journey. Okay, so that's what we're trying to do. But at the same time, allowing them to build faith in you because the content that you're serving through those channels, through those tools and platforms is building a confidence in their mind to the point where just before they are willing to commit, 
just before they put their credit card details in and press buy, or they sign the contract, or they download whatever it is, or they agree to the salesperson's visit. So you've got to decide what that conversion point is. And that's why in the chart here, I've changed the color because it is a single point. The conversion point is a single point that you're guiding all of the journey towards. So if you can imagine these as being little stepping stones, each of these post-its notes takes somebody to the next step in the journey, building faith, hopefully getting their trust just prior to commitment. And the conversion point is their commitment. So if you define that really clearly, what that point is, then everything you do can be focused on driving towards that point. So how do you do that? Well, the tools that we're going to look at in just a minute will help you, hopefully, to begin to build the awareness. And often that can come through things like thought leadership. And this is where thought leadership often exists well in building new awareness with people who've never really met you or read your content or are aware of your brand before. So you can start to build through thought leadership on a particular topic that you own. So you become the expert or specialist or guru on a particular topic, or your brand does, or somebody within your organization who's the face of the organization is the thought leader for a particular topic or a particular conversation or a particular community that's meaningful. Now, of course, that will resonate. If somebody's got hope that they're going to get a good uh, encounter here, that will resonate with them. So now you've got their attention. And that's all you've got. You haven't sold. You haven't created the relationship. You've now got attention. And from that attention, if you're able to start to build in at every single step as they come through this journey, strong and credible evidence for why you are worth listening to, watching, engaging with, and being part of a, um, an emerging relationship with, then you will start to build confidence and faith in that person's mind. Still a prospect, haven't yet committed, but the evidence will be the platform or the baseline or the foundation for a great relationship, which is what they're looking for. They're not looking to buy a product necessarily or a service from you. They're looking to build this confidence that you are the right organization to talk to as part of their fact finding or as part of their search for a solution to a challenge or problem. So that's what's going on here. So if you're jumping straight in with, hey, let's just sell in social media. First time you see us, wow, call to action, buy this, come to this open day, attend this event, buy on this course then you can see why that won't work because no amount of shouting is going to get somebody into a relationship because it's like, whoa, back off, guys. You know, this is way too early. I need to understand who you are. I need you to show me some evidence. I need to build confidence that this is a relationship worth having and that actually the decision I'm going to make to commit to you is going to be safe. And it's going to give me the value that Philip Kotler was talking about. So it's super, super important to not go too fast, but also not go too slowly that you lose their attention in this journey. So it's a fine balance. But just before this point of conversion, where they pass through this little gateway from being a prospect into being a customer, which is where the real fun starts, you've got to build their confidence in the relationship and the decision. So the conversion point then, if you've done that, because now they trust you, should be relatively straightforward. There's a good chance that you've got a like-for-like -like offer, whatever product, service, or you know, proposition that you have is a like-for-like -like offer versus others. But because you've done this amazing faith and trust exercise, and you've taken them through a very well choreographed, not necessarily by post-its, but by step-by-step -step journey, you have just by definition created an immersive experience for them. So by this point, they're bought into you. And so the fun can really start to happen because let's come back over here as to see this third step in our journey. And notice how very little time I spent talking about conversion. Conversion happens when people trust. There is no hard sell to get somebody over the line or close the deal. The hard work comes in the transition of the customer or the prospect from hope to faith and then to trust. 
So HFT, that can become a little bit of a mantra for you as you're thinking about plotting out your marketing and the channels and tools that are going to serve you. Conversion bit straightforward at that point. Once you've done that earlier upstream activity, the conversion happens and then you can then get into the fun. So the fun really, and where most of your value in that CLV, the customer lifetime value that I mentioned before, most of where that value comes from is in what we call the retention phase. Now you'll notice that the layout of this is quite different. The way I've been moving my cursor through the um, awareness phase is quite linear often, depending on obviously where you start, the journey can be through this route, it can be through this route, or it can be down through the blue post-its here, which is what we might call the critical path. So the least number of steps to get them with confidence, with faith and trust now to that point of conversion, but it's quite a linear process. So you can plot it out step by step by step. In the retention phase, it's a lot more circular. Now, there's a reason for this. The reason being is we don't know, having now made that first purchase or that commitment, necessarily how long it's going to be until that now customer, because, of course, we've converted them from being a prospect into a customer, how long it is that that customer is going to take before they want to do it again. So before they want to buy again from us or commit again to us. So what we need to do is keep them in what I like to call a holding pattern. So the retention part of the customer journey is quite circular. So the first thing that happens in this retention phase is that we want to capture some relevant data. The only way we know that we're giving an immersive experience, remember that's what we're designing here, is that we've captured the relevant data that allows us to test that that experience was actually immersive for the customer. We can do a good guess, we can hope we've done it right, but only by capturing the data, doing the surveys, doing a little post-purchase poll, actually picking up the phone and talking to them, giving them a little incentivized, would you fill out this survey for us? And of course, things like trust pilot score, things like net promoter score for now, how satisfied are they with us? Things like doing a Google review or whatever is relevant for you. Those kinds of points of data capture can then guide us as to how well or not we're doing with our immersive experience to this point in the journey. The other stuff we can do as well, straight after conversion, and I really do mean straight after conversion, is to capture all of the relevant data points that we need to then be able to serve our customer in the retention phase. So what do you need? And this is the time to start noting down what you need to be capturing straight after this conversion point here in this data capture, because literally minutes after, or probably hours after, or certainly in the coming days, you want to be capturing, because again, psychologically, this person is now loyal. Psychologically, they need you to confirm to them, this was a good decision, that actually committing and converting was a wise, smart move, and that they haven't, oh no, I've spent all that money, and now I'm getting regret. Now I'm thinking, oh, should I have done that? It's the way to prevent returns. It's the way to prevent people then questioning that decision is to give them the confidence that what is going to follow is going to be valuable to them. And it's also about showing authentic gratitude. It's also about really thanking them for getting into this, this relationship with you. It's not necessarily thanking them for, well, thanks for buying my product, because, of course, the benefit of that is directly to you because of the revenue. This is about thanking them authentically and honestly and openly for the relationship that now they have committed to back in your direction. Because you've committed to them to get them to this point. But remember, they've also committed to you physically, psychologically, emotionally, probably, depending on the style of purchase. But now they're in your boat. They are in the relationship with you. So what you're needing to do as you authentically thank them for being part of this relationship, and we'll come on to what that might be in a moment, but you've got to be capturing the right kind of data. So what do you want to know about this customer? Do you need their email address? Do you need a, a smartphone number? Do you need their geographic location? Do you need to know which social media accounts they're 
actively using? Do you want to connect with them through those social media accounts? I mean, the first thing, you know, anybody in business to business does if they make a sale is like, right, I need to connect with everybody in and around your organization who may be part of this service of this product or um, sort of service on an ongoing basis, because I might need to connect with them, educate them, inform them or be part of that journey with them. So LinkedIn connection clearly there is going to be really significant. But think about what kind of data do I need to capture to be able to serve them as I take them around this loop, which might be a long time before we actually have a proper real life encounter with them again. We call this the loyalty loop. So what you're doing is you're using a series of tools. And remember, each of these post-its represent a tool or a particular platform that you are going to use to serve them with content and information to help them see it was a great decision to commit to you to foster the relationship to maybe start to include them as a genuine stakeholder because if you've gathered data from them if they come back and say well thank you for thanking me yeah i've got this feedback for you or actually now having particularly purchased this particular product or service do you have some other stuff that actually we could add on to it because now having experienced the journey that you've given me and boy, was it really immersive. I'm now really interested in what else you do because we're starting to get a proper relationship here. So they could be genuinely a stakeholder. And a stakeholder, of course, is a person or individual who has a vested interest in how your organization performs. So if you can get to the level where they are a genuine stakeholder, and of course, that might not be on the first round of this loop. This might be on the second, third or even fourth kind of iteration of this loyalty loop. But at some point, if you can treat them and they can be perceiving themselves as a genuine stakeholder, where you genuinely listen to everything that you're um, communicating and everything they communicate back to you. Well, what is not to like? This is an immersive customer experience. And it may well be in the loyalty loop, you also see that you can provide some VIP services. Those who do genuinely engage with you. Well, what could you do for them that's different? You know, this is a game changer. VIP stuff, helping that person, that individual, that budget holder, that decision maker, that influencer, that sponsor, whoever it is in the organization or what we call the decision making unit. That might be a family certainly will be a business or a team if you're working B2B, whoever's in that business unit or that decision-making unit, if you can treat them as real VIPs, the amount of value they will perceive, and of course they are getting because you're treating them as VIPs, so they are VIPs. So what are you going to put into that? Well, it could be things like loyalty programs. It could be in things like, you know, special discounts or you know, maybe even a personalized price list for the other stuff they can bolt on. Um, it could be things like, you know, a first view of a new product or service or some real kind of specialist treatment in the way that you actually interact or provide customer support to them. Start getting creative because what you're doing in this loyalty loop is you are building what I term professional intimacy. You're getting to really know their pain points, their challenges, them as individuals, them as people in business or people um, as consumers who are kind of you know, finding it difficult to kind of navigate the world now. And let's face it, most of us are. Most of us are challenged. It's chaotic out there, both personally and professionally. So if you can develop a level of professional intimacy where they ultimately trust you, where you would be the first point of call to go back if they need serving with some kind of solution. And even, and this is when you know it's really working, because they'll even come to you for stuff they know you don't do, but because it's a trusted, professionally intimate relationship, they'll ask for your guidance, they'll ask for your support, and you know at that point you've got them in your loyalty loop. And of course then, you thank them authentically, you help them to see it's great to still be part of it, you foster the relationship, and so round and round and round they go. And why do you want to keep them going round in this loop? Because it sounds like it's okay, but it's going to take a lot of time. Where does the value come from? Well, it's basically threefold. So the one thing is, of course, they will start to talk. And then the wonderful word over here that I haven't used yet, but I'm going to, and I'm going to hone in on it now, advocacy. 
you will not get advocacy. Well, it's very unlikely. I can't say you won't get it. But it's very unlikely you will get advocacy at the awareness stage, the acquisition stage of the customer journey, because they don't know you. They don't trust you enough yet to be able to say, these guys are the organization you need to speak to, or this is the product from heaven. You need to get this. So they share it with all their friends and family and colleagues. It takes time. So with advocacy, be patient. But if you can keep your customers in the loyalty loop, advocacy happens because people want to share the great experience and the intimate relationship that you've fostered with others just like them. And of course, you're bringing those others in through the front door at the top of the funnel again. So you're going to be then scaling what you do by doing that. It's not rocket science. It's really quite simple, uh, but it is really profound the way that we do this. Another thing that will obviously happen is that they will, because you're always in this loyalty loop, going to be on their radar because you're drip feeding content, information and valuable stuff, drip feeding. You're not necessarily doing, you know, big email blasts and, you know, you're constantly on their radar, but you're there in the background, just drip, drip, drip with content that's highly valuable to just continually fuel this loyalty loop relationship. So that's the second thing that whenever then they're ready to purchase again or whenever they need product or service, the like of which you provide, you're always going to be front of mind because, oh, yeah, those guys, I haven't bought from them in a year, but they constantly send me really good stuff. And, yeah, I remember back in the day, it was a really good experience. I'll go around again. Let's see what they've got to offer now. So you're always there in a chance for that second purchase. So it's really important. And the final point, which is a kind of a new one, and this is something that we call the kind of subscription model, um, where you might be able to, as part of this loyalty loop, maybe start to see the relationship that you have as less of a, a sporadic um, or infrequent or seasonal product or service purchase but you actually get them to buy into more of a subscription style relationship. So every month they serve you with a certain amount of value, could be cash, could be services, could be whatever it is that you would find value in return for you taking back the old product, for example, to reuse, recycle or return. By doing that, you then can serve them with the latest model or an updated version or more value from the new kind of thing that you've been developing since their initial purchase. Now, of course, the, the beauty of what we might then call a circular business model, you might have heard the term circular economy, where this is bringing it into your organization and treating it as a circular business. Well, look how beautifully it fits into our circular Loyalty loop, our circular retention model, the whole idea of maybe doing this on a subscription basis where whenever they need more value, you send them a new product or you send them the updated version. You take back the old one and you send them a new one. We'll talk about customer lifetime value. Why would they go anywhere else? Why would they need to go anywhere else? Because they got a great relationship. They always get the solution to the challenge whenever they need it. It's timely. You're listening to them. They become hugely valuable to you, but you become hugely valuable to them. So I just want to finish this little narrative off by going back up to the conversion point and just get you to think about this little point here, which is this idea of at the conversion point, rather than doing your marketing to encourage this post-it to be a purchase, is there something in here that you could say, well, would it be more interesting to actually sell them a subscription? And I'm using that word really broadly. You can decide what that means for you. But what I'm saying here is spreading a cost out over time and getting their commitment over time to give you that kind of luxury of being able to go back to them time and time and time again with a solution, which might be a product, it might be a service, or it might be a combination of both, rather than just saying, yep, you've bought my product, and now I'm going to do some marketing to you from here onwards. That's the old school model. That's the model that was, I say, probably 10, 15 years ago was kind of in vogue, and we do retention programs and lots of newsletters and blah, blah, blah. 
you know, things are more sophisticated now. Things are a better opportunity. So I just want to leave that thought with you. Could you, rather than encouraging in your marketing purchases, could you actually encourage and actually advocate and stimulate people coming into a loyalty loop where they pay for the privilege, but they also then, as the privilege, get an ongoing service stroke product relationship from you? Would that work? Because, of course, that, if we go back to our initial starting point, was, well, we wanted to create an immersive experience using digital tools, which we're now going to look at. Wouldn't that be an interesting way of approaching it? Potentially very different from the rest of the way that your market actually serves itself and the way that your market actually, you know, delivers value currently. Wouldn't that be interesting to see if you could think of a different way of being in the customer's eyes, because if you want attention, that is a surefire way of rocking the boat in your industry. So I'm going to leave that one with you to think about. But let's just go um, do some sort of thinking now about, okay, so how do you do it, Neil? Because, you know, you've talked theoretically about the psychology, about the various kind of, you know, checkpoints in that journey, but but how would I do it? Um, And of course, making this um, customer journey immersive through relevant content at each step, but actually doing it in such a way that we don't just build it, but we make sure um, that we create connections en route. Um, Jake Bear, uh, Jay Bear's quote here was just you know so, so pertinent at this point. Customers won't come just because you build it. You have to make the connection. And so this is really going to be important in terms of your choices of the tools that you're going to use in this journey. So what kind of tools have you got available to you in the customer acquisition phase or the awareness building phase? Um, Well, there are many, many options available. I'm just going to hone in on one or two here. Um, It depends. And I think that is the ultimate answer here to each of these three phases. And I'll show you some tools with you for things that you can look at. It depends and it depends on how your post-its shape up, because I would always recommend that you start with the post-it plotting exercise and then start to put in the tools rather than starting with the tools themselves. So don't just jump in with, hey, we're going to do some Facebook advertising or, hey, we need to make some TikTok videos just because everybody else is. Think about the journey first and then see if Facebook ads or TikTok videos are going to serve the building of the faith and trust in this awareness phase. That's the key. You've got to start from the right point and use these things as tools. Too many marketers fall into the trap of starting with the tools or doing the social media before thinking, actually, is this the right stuff? Am I actually using the right platforms or the right tools? And nobody's listening. And then they think, oh, my marketing's wrong. Well, your marketing isn't wrong, but the choice of tools might be. So if you're looking to do some kind of inbound marketing, then a tool like HubSpot, you know, would be an obvious first choice. Uh, Obviously, you can Google search and find other alternatives. But what you're looking, if you're looking to do inbound marketing, you're looking for a comprehensive tool for what we call CRM, customer relationship management. So it's going to be something that will offer you an integrated sort of email and um, social media platform that will integrate with sales stuff as well. Um, And pretty much really a full suite of tools to attract, engage, and hopefully delight your customers or your prospects as they are at this stage. Um, If you're going to do some content marketing, there are a host of platforms. Um, Obviously, you're going to need to build a website, for example. That would be at this front end um, here. Um, But anything really that allows you to host, manage and optimize content, really. So you could be using tools like Contentful or you could build a WordPress website. Clearly, others are available. Um, But basically, what we're looking here is for, you know, organic content that you could own that will hopefully then, because it's well optimized, and that's the next one, start to, you know, create some um, visibility, start to get that opportunity to hook the attention of your target audience. 
So search engine optimization um, and search engine marketing tools like uh, Moz or SEMrush um, are really, really popular. Uh, free trials available, obviously, with all of these kinds of platforms to allow you to do some research of keywords. Um, and those keywords are going to be the words that will get that initial awareness uh, in and just really get your content in the eye line of the prospect. It doesn't mean they're going to buy, doesn't mean they're interested in you at all. It just gets that awareness of that initial kind of, oh, I've got your attention, right, now the journey begins. So we're right up front here in the acquisition or awareness phase. Obviously, you can do some, some advertising. There's a lot of popular uh, tools really for um, social media advertising, for example. So you could be looking at the likes of Hootsuite or Facebook Ads Manager, you know, many, many other platforms available. Pretty much if you're looking at social media, you can advertise through it now. Um, and this is all about basically creating, managing and analyzing ad spend across social networks. Um, the key here is not just spending the budget, of course. It is about managing and analyzing what works. Because as we've said, just post the um, conversion point when we're going to be asking the customer, how was that for you? Tell us about the whole experience so far. You should be able to do this as a marketer right up front in terms of knowing how certain styles of content resonate or don't with your target audience. So using tools like um, Ads Manager or Business Manager within Facebook, for example, allows you to do some deep, deep analysis and evaluation over the style of content, the timing of the content, the kind of um, tagging of that content, the imagery, videos, if you're using video ads. You need to know and analyze and measure everything. So starting off small and scaling it up is the key at this awareness stage. And you will make hundreds of mistakes. Trust me, if this is new stuff to you, if it's not new stuff to you, you'll know that this is true. You will make hundreds of mistakes ongoing. It is just the nature of the beast. Do not be looking for perfection because it does not exist. You know, I've been doing marketing for what is it, 36, 37 years and I know that this part of the journey is an absolute chaos. It's a nightmare. So do not assume you're going to get much of this right. But the trick is knowing which bits you have got right, because then you can be using things like collaborations. You can be working with influencers. Um, you can be looking to build and manage the relationships um, you know, as you build that faith and trust. Um, if, if influencers stuff, and this is often now very, very popular to, to go scaling your awareness at the awareness stage, um, you can be using um, Upfluence or Aspire IQ um, to start to research and establish influencer collaborations. And it may well be if thought leadership, remember I mentioned thought leadership can be really important at the outset, particularly if you're in B2B, um, it might well be that we're talking about real micro, real niche influences here who would love to get on board with you um, in terms of maybe collaborating on content or interviews or podcasts or webinar series. So there's a load of opportunities here if you can get creative. And of course, we see a lot of influencers uh, being used by fashion brands for product promotion. So there's a nice little example just to kind of bring that bit to life. So it's not complicated, but what is key here at the awareness stage is start small, test out. I would rather you started small on 10 different tools that is that are going to help you to build that awareness and to actually hook in that attention and then figure out by doing those 10 tools that are really light, small budget, low numbers uh, way until you find the ones that really work. And then you can scale those up and then you can make those the ones that you really focus in on. So start small with a big number, spread your re um, you reach very wide on these kinds of tools, try a lot, experiment and watch and listen. And then you'll have some fun really focusing in on what does work. Don't put all your eggs in one basket just because that's how your business has always done it. This is the challenging phase, really. This is the phase to really challenge. And if you can then figure that bit out, you can then focus in on the customer conversion stage. You know, there's a lot of content out there. The consumer or the customer is in control, but your job is to get them to pause. There was a conscious pause there. Your job is to get them to pause. Remember when we were looking at that chart with all the little post-its, the task that you have as you get their attention is to just get them in that moment 
and it can be seconds or microseconds even, is to get them to pause. That's your job. That is ultimately, your only job is to get them to pause because without that attention, you don't have them. You don't have an audience. You might have a load of followers, but you've got no reach and no attention. So the trick is to get them to pause. If you can get them to pause long enough to consider and long enough to click that call to action, to move to the next step in the journey, you're doing a great job. Because having moved to that next step in the journey, what's your job then? To get them to pause again and to repeat and to repeat until they get to the conversion point. And of course, if you're building strong, credible evidence, building the faith and trust, then what you are doing is doing a great job at that stage in our immersive customer experience. So what we're trying to do here is turn that browsing into buying. So conversion strategies will be things like A-B testing your website. So you can use things like Optimizely, um, but there are platforms around and maybe even your existing website or your email campaigns allow you to do this. A-B testing is everything to allow you to analyze every single thing that you do. If you're not A-B testing your socials, you should be. If you're not A-B testing your email campaigns, you could be. So constantly revisiting and trying to improve, continuous improvement of what you're doing, testing version A with version B, where version B is just one element different to version A, a different image a different tagline, a different headline, a different call to action, different timing of the day. A-B testing is a real enabler to increase those conversions by micro percentages. You know, it might be by 0.5% by doing a little test, but that 0.5% is value to your business, potentially valuable to the customer too. So Really push yourself, really task yourself with, am I really analyzing what I do? Could I improve? And the answer is yes. The point is, how can I improve? That's the key. So personalized email marketing is another one that helps in conversion. So the likes of MailChimp or SendInBlue, lots of other tools are available, but MailChimp is great. And the reason MailChimp for me is great, it is obviously the big daddy of uh, um, email campaign tools, but it allows you in real time to see what's going on. So if in your awareness to conversion plan, you're doing some real time stuff. So you're doing some social stuff online. It could be you've got a live webinar and then you serve that with an email follow up and you want to see in real time who then converts and pays for that full course or whatever it happens to be then, you know, what you're enabling here is this kind of real time tracking of your campaigns and your performance. So that's really, really key. And it's all this constant revisiting of how we're doing stuff that allows you to retain this immersive part of the experience. Yeah, because you plotted it out. It's a great start, but it's not the end game. The end game is to constantly fuel it with good stuff. You can do a little bit of remarketing. That one's kind of going out of style now because obviously there's been a lot of changes um, this summer with um third party uh, cookie content, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm not going to dwell on that one. For some of you, it still will be in the mix. Um, but for all of us, it's all about this trust building at the conversion point, which we've talked about. So trust pilot, um, you know, Google reviews, other forms are available, but it's a great confidence builder. Um, and as an example of what you might want to emulate if you really want to go for this is Amazon's view of customers who bought this also bought so actually serving this opportunity for the customer to say, right, OK, I've committed to you. I've got my head around it. I'm going to go for this. Oh, and actually, that's a quite a useful little thing. I might buy that little accessory, too. Or, yeah, I might go for the the 12 month warranty on this. It costs a little bit extra. But, yeah, that's great. I'm going to go for that. Use the Amazon tool and technique. And if you've um, you know, purchased off of things like moonpig.com is another great example. Not only do you buy that greetings card, but they'll, they're going to try and cross sell you flowers, chocolates, everything else under the sun. So think about what you might also add into that moment in the journey. You, know, you might think, oh, it's quite a hard sell, but actually they've already committed. So the timing is right to maximize the value of the basket, which is what we call it at that stage. So have a little play with that because that can be useful. 
And then, of course, we get to our favorite spot, which is keeping our customers in this circular loop, keeping them drip fed with this amazing content to build that professional um, intimacy, that relationship. And as we know, and I don't know who actually um, said this first, but it is cheaper to keep a customer than to acquire a new one. Keeping your existing database happy. Go back and look and see who you've already got in your database and see if you can remarket to them. They are the most valuable things that you have. And in fact, as marketers, that's probably your most valuable asset. It isn't your TikTok account or your Instagram following. It probably is your existing customer database. So go back and have a look and see what data you've got in there. Is it segmented? Is it relevant? And start to then use that data to do loyalty programs, platforms that create and manage you know, reward programs that allow you to build that loyalty. You can offer those exclusive offers that I was talking about before. Lots of tools to create, you know, pop-ups, capture leads, and, um, get and inquires um, and, and inquire um, well, encourage people really to, to get their sort of family and friends bought into this and give them incentives, those kinds of things. You know, the feedback and surveys that I was talking about, SurveyMonkey or Typeform, you know, lots of opportunities to do well thought through, well crafted surveys. So constantly thinking about the conversation. The loyalty loop, the retention stage as Starbucks in their loyalty rewards program. If you're not part of that, go and have a little look at that one. That's a good one, too. The whole thing is about conversation. Marketers who think that the retention stage is about the monologue, it's about pushing content out, have missed the point. Retention stage is all about conversation. So my challenge to you is what could you do to keep this professional intimacy building in such a way that it's as much about you listening as it is about them talking? So could you do stuff that gets them talking to you as much as you're talking to them, gets them parting with information as much as you're sending them content? Because that's a really balanced relationship, isn't it? If you think about it. You don't want to be in a relationship with somebody who just talks all the time and they never listen to you. So why would you do that as a marketer? And yet we do. But remember, our task here is using tools and techniques to create an immersive experience. That's how you do it. You listen as much as you talk. So think about how can we do this? How can we use this to really support and resolve challenges and issues? How can we then ensure and enhance satisfaction in our customers' minds so we maximize the value in the longer term with this relationship? That's absolutely key. So we've got some steps to follow here. You know, again, as I said right at the outset, and I've said it a couple of times, you know, this is not rocket science, but if you can spend the time, and this is a great time of year to do this, you know, as we're starting to think about what's coming, you know, for the rest of this year and into next year, this is a great time to start plotting this stuff out and seeing where you've got gaps. I don't do this perfectly and nor will you be doing this perfectly, but spotting where the gaps are and thinking, hmm, is that one an interesting task or an interesting thing that I need to be focused on? If it is, great, let's spend some time doing it. But using a checklist like this, you know, your steps for navigating the digital marketplace so that you help your customer to navigate the digital marketplace and the digital space that you're choreographing is so, so important. And so these are steps that you can take. And it goes literally down the left column and then down the right column, ending with this continuously testing new approaches. If you choose to take on this challenge that I'm setting for you here, this idea that, you know, it's more than just serving content, it's about developing an immersive experience, then you are choosing to accept a mission that is ongoing for the rest of your career as a marketer. It genuinely is, or as a business owner, or as an entrepreneur, this is what you have to do. It's the law. It is how this thing is formed. Once you open this Pandora's box, there's exciting stuff inside, but you can't close the box. You know too much now. You know that this is the right thing to do. So you have to continuously test and challenge every single thing that you do. Never be satisfied completely. You can get ex you can get excited and a little bit satisfied with some of the successes, but always know and always, always know that you can do better next time. And if you can continually feed that mindset, 
we're talking properly here, continuous improvement, because the world will move on. So what you do today might not be relevant tomorrow. The opportunities and the tools will be refined. I hadn't even mentioned AI in this session, but of course we have tools now that we can put into this mix. I've tried to keep it simple. We'll talk about that one another day. But here, right here, right now, it's about looking at the structure and the framework for this immersive experience, remembering not to neglect the getting their attention in the awareness phase, helping them to trust you in the conversion phase, and then that professional intimacy in the retention phase. Those are the three stages that you need to really be balancing because that is immersive experience. And because digital marketing is ever evolving, make a note to yourself to stay informed, stay adaptable, and most importantly, stay customer centric. So constantly listening, constantly challenging, watching the trends, keeping yourself informed and up to date with what's going on. You know, never accept that you know it all because you don't. I don't. Nobody does. But just recognizing that fact and thinking, yeah, what am I going to learn today? That could be a great start to every day. A little bit of information every day is 365 pieces of information in a year. How much would that change your game? I think it probably would. So ensure you're up to date with the very latest trends, tools and algorithms. Make sure you just know how this stuff works. As I said, at the awareness phase, spread yourself very thinly in play before you um, dive deeply down into your chosen topics or, or platforms, because that's the key here to figuring out which things are going to work. So no stone was left unturned. You tried everything, but you made conscious evidence-based decisions that these were the platforms and tools that you selected. And always being open to feedback, both positive and negative feedback is absolutely invaluable to getting this right. Sometimes you're going to hear what you don't want to hear. Sometimes you're going to be told that campaign sucked and you need to hear it. OK, because sometimes the campaign will suck and it really will. Um, and we all go there. I'm not a great one. Personally, it's not my makeup and my preference to get negative feedback. I would rather make the decision and then kind of move on. But often we do have to listen. If you're very, very happy taking feedback on, then embrace that because not a lot of people do that well. But if you're struggling with that one, just know that it's super important to do. And the trick here is to be consistent all the time. It's key to building trust and brand recognition is, as I say, once you open that box, once you allow the idea of a carefully choreographed, immersive customer experience in, there is no going back. Fostering the journey between awareness, conversion, retention is your responsibility as a business owner, marketer, entrepreneur, leader, whatever your role, this is your role in life. So constantly listening, building that trust and that brand recognition. And I think we can pretty safely say you'll be providing so much more value than anybody else out there in your marketplace. So I hope you found that useful. I hope you found that helpful. Uh, it is a lot to take on. It is a lot to be thinking about. But taking those first steps and exploring these concepts, building the hope, faith and trust, stimulating that advocacy, taking people around a loyalty loop or already committed to you and treating them as genuine stakeholders is definitely the future of marketing going forward. So good luck. Keep being consistent, keep challenging, keep listening to that feedback. And I wish you every success in your conversion, retention, and of course, initially awareness building marketing activities.